welcome to the Housetop Gospel. Today's story is called The Fourth Miracle. And of course, this is uh, the fourth miraculous sign according to John's Gospel confirming Jesus as Messiah. Uh, this is the only miracle recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, uh, this story also takes place two years into the Lord's ministry, which you know was about a year before our Lord's uh, ultimate sacrifice of crucifixion by the Romans. Um, it should also be noted that this uh, also was at the height of the Lord's fame and popularity. You know, for lack of a better term, Jesus was more famous than a modern-day rock star at this uh, stage of his work. I, I don't say that to be silly or foolish. You know, a rock star, of course, is a contradiction in term. But in terms of a celebrity's level of status, Jesus, he would have exceeded that level. Uh, but Jesus was known for always uh, downplaying his miracles. Uh, he would forbid people from speaking about them. He was known for slipping away from the crowds and, and avoiding any fame. Okay, so now the story. Mark's gospel references the Lord wanted to get away to be alone with his disciples to get some rest because there were so many people that were coming and going that that they didn't even have enough uh, uh, time or, or a chance to, to eat or rest. So Jesus said to them, he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. So they got into a boat and they went by themselves to a solitary place. They crossed over the sea to the far shore of Tiberias. But the people were following Jesus and the disciples there too. The Bible says many who saw them leaving to get away recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. There were many beautiful hills there covered in grass and wildflower overlooking the sea. The Jewish Passover was approaching and the fragrance of spring was in the air. When he landed on the shore, he realized there were men and women and children following him. He went up onto a hillside and he could see the people coming from every direction to see him. And despite how tired Jesus and the disciples were, when Jesus landed on that shore and saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. He went among them and welcomed them, and he healed their sick and began teaching them many things because they were like lost sheep, the Bible says, without a shepherd. It is remarkable how this 
imagery resembles Psalms 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. This psalm correlates the beautiful imagery of this story. Ministry can be very exhausting. Jesus and his disciples, you can definitely throw Paul into the mix here if you'd like, were the treadmills of ministry. You would wonder where do these men get their energy from? However, the Bible does teach that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. It is God who strengthens men and women to, to do these things in Christ. But it could still be physically exhausting and one would deserve to get away once in a while. Well, the Lord wanted to get away with the guys. So they all went to this quiet and solitary place. But the people were following them. Jesus and his disciples were already tired at this point. But the Lord, when he landed on the shore, only to meet this great crowd of men, women, and children, he had compassion on them. Because they were like lost sheep without a shepherd. So he continued teaching them many things about the kingdom of God despite how tired they were. Now, now the miracle, as evening approached, the twelve disciples came to Jesus and said to him, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and find food and lodging. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus looked at the crowd and he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, eight months wages would not be enough to buy bread for each one, to even have a bite. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it, them, give it to them to eat? And Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Then Jesus said to them, Have all the people sit down on the grass and separate them into groups. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and there were about five thousand men not including the women 
and the children. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated. And they ate as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they all had ate enough, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw this miraculous sign, that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is said to come into the world. Jesus knew what they intended. The people intended to take Jesus by force to make him their king. Straightway, Jesus instructed his disciples to get into a boat and go ahead of him to Capernaum while he would dismiss the crowd. Then Jesus withdrew by himself again into the mountain. John does not describe the logistics of this uh, miraculous event, the feeding of this massive crowd. I mean, did, did it happen in the twinkling of an eye? Or did they turn their heads for a moment and all of a sudden there were these baskets full of bread and fish? In a way, this miraculous sign resembles Moses feeding the children of Israel with bread from heaven in the wilderness. Since the, the area was so solitary, Jesus, like Moses in the wilderness, needed the miraculous to feed the people. The only difference is Moses fed over a million people for a duration of time with bread from heaven. In this case, the Bible says there were 5,000 men, but the crowd could have easily exceeded over 10,000 people. Men, women, and children, when you factor in the women and children. John does not describe the particulars of this miracle, how it unfolded to the natural eye. But if anybody could explain it, then it wouldn't be a miracle, would it? However, similar miracles such as this have taken place before in Second Kings chapter 4. Elisha fed over a hundred men with some small barley loaves and had leftovers. It should be noted that barley loaves are much smaller than regular bread loaves and did not taste good either. That's what the fish were for. They were more like sardines, by the way. Elijah fed this dying widow, widow and miraculously, she never runs out of oil and bread. 
during a three-year drought. And of course, Moses fed over a million people with bread from heaven in a desert. Speaking of Moses, the people longed for a new Moses that would lead them from the tyranny of the Romans. Just as Moses led Israel from the bondage of Pharaoh's Egyptians. After the people saw Jesus performed this miraculous sign, they began to say, surely this is the prophet that is to come into the world. This is what Moses was referring to in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. And it says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen you shall Listen to him. Well, we observe Jesus once again fulfilling prophecy with this miraculous sign that John uses in his gospel confirming Jesus as the Messiah. The people wanted to take him by force and make him their king. This is amazing, astonishing. Jesus' fame and popularity went throughout all the land, and the people wanted to make him their king. To the natural man, of course, this would have been very, very tempting. Can you imagine for a moment if, if he would have taken this route and allowed the people to make him their king? If he were to have avoided the cross, and therefore no atonement for sins, no death, thus no resurrection of the dead, no gift of eternal life, no hope for you and me. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that before he becomes king, he must become the Lamb the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. That's in John chapter 1, verse 29. You see, the path of the Father's will lies in another way. And of course, His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above our ways, the Bible says. And Jesus' kingdom was handed to him by his father. Listen to the prophet Daniel, chapter 7. This is a remarkable prophecy of the Lord being king and was written uh, 600 years or so before the Lord invaded time and space and walked on this earth. And it goes, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one as the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All the people, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will 
not pass away, and his kingdom will never be destroyed. And of course, Daniel is referring to the Father handing the kingdom to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Psalms 2, a psalm of David, is another remarkable prophecy of the Lord being king and was written a thousand years B.C. before the Lord walked on this earth. And it reads like this, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Oh, how blessed are all who take refuge in him. And of course, David is referring to the Father's inauguration of the kingdom of God to Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God could never have been established from or through this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, but from another place. In John chapter 18, verse 36. You know, a lot of people back then were very upset about this, including Judas. Of course, Jesus refers to the eternal, to the, to the uncreated, to the uh, invisible, to the natural eye, invisible. He's referring from heaven. And heaven, of course, is a far, far, far better place than this world. As I mentioned before, the path of the Father's will lies in another way. And Jesus is that way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14. And of course, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus, for those who abide in him and he abides in them. And for all eternity, from that very cross with his dying breath proclaimed, it is finished. And he is king. Right now, as we speak, Though you may not see it as of yet, it is coming. This is our hope. Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation itself waits in eager expectations for the sons of God to be revealed. 
and its liberation from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope, we wait patiently. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. You see, Jesus is already king. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. <laughs>